the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as light and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. All right, Second Timothy three sixteen once again, and uh, we'll begin to converse as it were. Second Timothy three and verse sixteen. Paul writes to Timothy, says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. But emphasis is in for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Next week, I'll teach on the prophets of scriptures. Today, I will speak on interpreting scriptures. Interpreting the scriptures. That's the actual topic. Interpreting the scriptures. Holy Spirit, once again, let your spirit brood over us in the name of Jesus. Bring clarity and simplicity to this discussion. And let there be light afterwards. In Jesus' name, we pray. Did you drop your volume? Technically, I raised my volume. I want to explain the text that we've been using because I discovered that's the fundamental basis for every other thing we are doing. And I think that we have not really explained the text. When Paul told Timothy that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, it does not mean that everything in the Bible is what God said. Are we still together? If everything in the Bible is what God said, it will be simple to understand. But in the Bible, the devil spoke. You remember the story of Job? In the book of Job, there are about six speakers. Job himself spoke. Is that not so? God spoke. Satan spoke. Job's four friends spoke. Job's wife spoke. We are talking about seven or eight. Job's servant spoke. Interestingly, in all the conversation, particularly around Job, the only person that was vindicated, the only words that were vindicated, was the youngest of Job's friends, Helihu. Every other person was actually rebuked for what they said. Job was rebuked. He was the perfect man as it were in their midst, but he was rebuked that you don't know anything. When God appeared, they go to you don't know anything. You are just talking. His friends too, Job called those ones miserable counselors, useless comforters. They were just talking blah, 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 blah. His wife said, cause God and die. All of that is contained in the book of Job and we are saying this scripture is given by the inspiration of God. What does that mean? It does not mean that when Job was speaking, it was God that was speaking. Mm-mm. Are we still together? It does not even mean that when Job was speaking, it was the Holy Spirit speaking to Job. No. Hello. If it was the Holy Spirit speaking to Job, why would God rebuke Job? 
If it was the Holy Spirit speaking through Job's wife, why would Job rebuke his wife and say, you're talking like an ungodly woman. So what does it mean when it says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God? It does not mean every content in this book appeared by the influence of God. No, it means that in its documentation, God approved of it, follow closely. It also means that when you learn it properly, everything said here can be profitable for teaching. So although Satan says some things, when you study the words of Satan, well, you will learn how lies are said. I don't know if you're following me. You can be instructed from Satan's words. Doesn't mean Satan's words were inspired of God. But God allowed it to be documented, and by its documentation, it can be a source of doctrine. So you can read about Job's wife and learn who not to marry. Are you following me here? Say, okay, I'm not going to marry a woman like Job's wife. It does not mean Job's wife spoke as inspired by God. It means that God allowed the conversation of Job's wife to be documented so that when you read about her story, you can be inspired in a godly direction. Are you following me here? So when we say all scriptures given by the Spirit of God, it does not mean, oh, everything that was said in the Bible, no matter who said it, God was the one that made them say it. No. There's a sense, a narrow sense in which that applies. Peter explains that sense in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. Holy men of God spoke. So when, the, when holy men of God were speaking, listen, no, they spoke as moved by the Holy Ghost. But it was not only holy men of God's words that are documented in scriptures. Are we following here? But God still permitted it to be in the Bible because you can learn doctrine from it. You can learn instructions from it. All that happened in Genesis 3, Satan speaking with Eve and Satan speaking with Adam or Satan speaking with the first couple and eventually led to the downfall before God, now inter- God came in later on and began to say a few other things. If you want to, is that inspired by God? Well, the story was documented and it can be a source. If you properly study it, it can be a source of doctrine. So, for instance, Paul was teaching doctrine and, you know, in explaining, <laughs> as it were, the frailties of, let me put it like this, the frailties of a woman. In 2 Timothy, he says, well, it was not the man that was first deceived, it was the woman. So, although the words of Eve were not, as it were, inspired by God, that story was a source of doctrine. Are you following here? It was a means to teach Timothy how to handle some women. Are we still together here now? So, all scripture inspired, by, inspired of God does not mean everything said. Uh, God was the person that came up, or God was the influence behind their words. But that they appeared in this book means that they, they are profitable. When studied, I can read something, as it were, that a false prophet said, and by studying it, I now know how false prophets speak. And then I have the understanding of the utterance of false prophets. And then I avoid being deceived by false prophets. So if, every, if the only thing is in, that is in this book is what God said and what holy men of God said, we may not have a robust 
meal of doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. You may not. In fact, we will not. So God permitted the documentations of other people's words. And then when they are studied well, they become a source of doctrine, which means teaching, reproof, which means proof, actually, evidence, correction, and instruction. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So all scripture is profitable for godly education. All scripture. Songs of Solomon. I was reading Lamentations some days ago. <laughs> you know, interestingly, you can read the book of Lamentation, and what will follow is the joy of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you read the book of Lamentation, and after reading it, the joy of the Holy Ghost follows. That's if you read it in the proper light, if you properly study it. Otherwise, you can read it and the spirit of gloom and doom can befall you too. Glory to God. I'm saying all of that to stress the need for proper interpretation, which is what we are considering tonight. It's a crucial aspect to of, of investigating scriptures. The study of scriptures towards accurate interpretation. Many people think that the Bible is a simple book that does not require scrutiny, investigation, analysis, or even interpretation. I mean, it's just black words on white paper, except the words of Jesus in red in some Bibles. People say it's just, it's not complex now. I mean. And to, to, to an extent, that applies. I've heard Kennedy can say that the Bible is so simple, it will require a theology and confuse you. Um, so th there are some things in Scripture that is quite straightforward, I agree. <laughs> uh, except you want to be um, dishonest. Some things are just clear. But, but uh, there are many reasons why we have to study to properly interpret Scriptures. Before I get there, I should affirm that there are no divisions in the body of Christ. There is no division. We are not divided. The problem why, or the reason why we seem to be divided is that our interpretation of Scripture is not uniform. This church says, well, in our old church, the Bible, we believe and interpret that the Bible says that we must cover earth as a woman. This other church says, no, covering air is not a big deal. There is really no division. What, you know what causes division? It is the way we interpret the same Bible. And that's why I believe that the greatest um, help we can give towards the unity of the body of Christ is to learn biblical interpretation. Learn it correctly. We will, be, we will now discover that we are actually one. But if we don't learn it well, everybody will bring their own impression, their own interpretation, you know, and then there will not be divisions. Let me say it the way I wrote it here. Every false practice and wrong belief amongst God's people is traced to improper, inaccurate interpretation of scriptures. If people are not well taught, they will believe wrongly. Once people believe wrongly, they will practice wrongly. Are we still together here? Yes, if people are not taught correctly, or if people do not learn correctly, 
they will believe wrongly. And when they believe wrongly, they will practice wrongly. One of the ways we can chase maturity is actually to learn interpretation of scriptures. We must learn it. We must know. Now, I, I, we may never be perfect in the sense that all scriptures is not perfect to us. We understand what everything means perfectly. We may get to heaven and discover, oh, this thing, I didn't actually believe it, or I didn't interpret it correctly. But let's do a lot towards learning the Bible accurately. If not, we'll keep having strange practices. You know, when we are teaching you church history, we showed you every wrong doctrine in the history of the church was traced to wrong interpretation. Somebody heard the words of Jesus to Peter on this rock, I will build my church, and said, oh, Peter is the head of the church, and Peter is the father, papa, papal, pope, and any other person who comes in the lineage of Peter, particularly in the order of the bishop of Rome, automatically is the pope. Wrong interpretation of Jesus' words. False doctrine does not come from Quran. False doctrine does not come from other religious books. It comes from scripture. People take scripture, misunderstand it, misapply it, misinterpret it, and begin to propagate wrong doctrine. The person who is carrying ladies to go and bait in the, in the river, some of them are just um, wicked people, but some of them are honestly stupid people. Honestly stupid. And they're going to say, but the Bible says that they're going to point to scriptures to support their stupidity. Amen. Yeah. The people who fall victim too, to those kind of things. Are, many of them, it's not like they, they like doing those things, but they are honestly stupid. They have not been properly taught, and so they allow for the propagation of false doctrines. You know, the reason why we have a mass production of false prophets in today's generation is because people are not taught proper Bible interpretation. The false prophet knows that the vulnerability of a generation is in their ignorance. They know. That's why they do everything possible to resist the teaching of the Bible. You see, when I see a preacher who does not make reference to the Bible, I know this one is either a false prophet or is somebody who is enjoying this status of anti-biblical beliefs and he's not willing to give up on it. It may not be false, but he's enjoying it, he doesn't want to give up on it. Why would you preach without the Bible? Why would you preach and you cannot make any reference to Scripture? Because the people will be free when they hear the Bible. You will no longer be, you know, the indispensable religious figurehead that you have been. So if we want to if we want to close down false prophets enterprise, Bible interpretation, we must, we must prioritize it. It's, it has always been a need for every generation or in every generation. When the early church experienced the reformation, it was, Bible it was Bible interpretation. I mean, the Martin Luther reformation was not revival of Holy Ghost in the sense that there was a Pentecostal experience. It was somebody's also one scripture, Romans chapter 1. And verse 16, I said, ah, oh, the just shall live by faith, not by indulgence. Just, just one scripture, properly interpreted, interpreted rather, birthed the Reformation. So, 
whatever nama nama that is happening in church, if we learn to interpret the Bible accurately, we'll go a long way in fixing it. Are we still together? Yeah. Okay, okay. So let me tell you why we need to interpret the Bible and why the Bible is not <laughs> as straightforward as many of you think or many of us think it is. In John 2 and verse 19, Jesus said, destroy this temple. Uh, in three days, I will raise it up. <laughs> he said a very honest statement. He was not trying to, he was not even trying to be mystical. And then he said it, and the people misinterpreted what he said. And he said, oh, do you know how many years it took to build it? Read in verse 20, okay. The Jews said, 40 and 6 years, this temple was built. And you want to raise it up in three days? Look at verse 21. But he speak of the temple of his body. They had no idea. They had no clue. Once again, it's, you, see, you see the people stoning Jesus, hating Jesus. It's not because they were haters. Many times, just because they misunderstood his words. They misinterpreted his utterance. They did not understand it. Are we still together? There are many Christians today who still they take an antagonistic position against the work of God, against the will of God, simply because the scripture has not been properly interpreted. Some of you will go to churches today and you can be labeled a sinner because of the way you are dressed. And that, that, that label may just be because of a scripture somebody has taken and not interpreted well. Some of you can pick up a scripture that justifies certain things, tattoos, dreads, and go to preach in a place and you are rejected. And it's your fault. It's because you two have taken a scripture and you don't know how to properly interpret and apply it. You just say it is written. And you pick it up and you do things that will actually oppose the gospel and you eventually become an antagonist to the same gospel you're supposed to live for. From, and you base it on scripture. Say, but the Bible said... So you must, if you don't, you will become an enemy of God if you don't interpret scripture well. Yeah, you will become an enemy of God. You'll be wondering, but, but, but this is the Bible that said this. But you didn't properly interpret it. And we're still together here. Yeah? yeah, I think it was Philip now who was walking around and was he in Acts chapter 8 and the Ethiopian Enoch was reading something. And he asked him, do you understand, understand that what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading? Not really. Who, who are we talking about here? Who exactly? Are we who is this person talking about? What was he reading? Check it. It was thirty nine. Maybe it gives us a clue. Verse twenty nine, rather. Okay, go to verse thirty one. Maybe it's thirty one. Tells us what he was reading. Doesn't thirty one? I didn't hear you. Dear. No, no, it's back on Acts now. What was he reading, oh, please? Okay, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Go ahead. It will tell us. Go ahead. I think the story tells us what was it being read. Go ahead. Okay, so verse 32. The place of the scripture which he read was this. It was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Everybody says sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so open he not his mouth. Yeah? And just, I mean, a reference from the prophet Isaiah. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And we shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. Now, it, it sounds vague, honestly. 
Go back to verse 32. The place which he read, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. First of all, if you are an agricultural student, you'll be thinking, okay, this is an agricultural discussion. Probably thinking about how to rear sheep and all that. It's not that straightforward. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer. Okay. So he opened not his mouth. When you talk about lamb, you talk about open not his mouth. So human beings and lamb, not too sure. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. What does that mean? What does it mean his judgment was taken away? You switched from lamb to somebody facing judgment and it was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? What does it mean to declare his generation? If I ask you, some of you, understand what that really is. You say, yes, yes, yes. If I ask you, what does it mean? You, you, you'll be stammering here. <laughs> That's why you can't just say, uh, there's nothing there now. I mean, it was one of our sisters, Sister Keji, that told me, what scripture were you even quoting? In one of the prophetic books, and the Muslim say he's talking about Muhammad. That, that, that person is talking about Muhammad there. Yeah. Muhammad? How Muhammad enter Malachi, enter Micah? Where, where you go see him? <laughs> yeah. Now, the idea is not, now, many Christians agree that the Bible is not that straightforward. But they adopt mentalities like, eh, they say things like, and this one is also scripture. The letter, kill it. The spirit give it life. Do you even know the meaning of that statement? Can you say, <laughs> I hope you know that. Well, well, okay, let's leave that one. But people now assume that, okay, well, there are spiritual meanings. Not necessarily spiritual meanings. Let's just say authentic interpretation. This person, that's, and that's what that Muslim lady said. This person was talking about, it's actually Muhammad. That's the spiritual meaning of this person. No. No spiritual meaning. It's just that if you don't interpret it correctly, you can, you can label anything, anything, really. So Philip had to explain, and of course, he showed that he was talking about Jesus. It's difficult to read that scripture and think it was Jesus, really. Jesus. But of course, if you're familiar with Bible language, once you see lamp, you see death, you know, you, you probably, probably guess and say, we're probably talking about the Messiah. So we need to interpret the scriptures because the Bible is not as straightforward as many of us think it is. But let me give two or three other reasons here why you should interpret the scripture and why Bible interpretation is a serious business. Ah, uh, a serious business, simply put. What we are doing now is not Bible interpretation class. To do Bible interpretation class, I can tell you that if you do 40 weeks, five, five hours every day, 40 weeks, you may still not, you may not, you may not it's a lifetime study. So what I'm doing is just to trigger an appetite and show you basic principles. Bible! Ah. When I heard that Martin Luther rejected the book of James, I, I was humbled. Hey! I mean, great men have missed it. The greatest of the greatest. They have, they have totally misunderstood it. Ah. Be humble. If you see anybody making a mistake, don't say, he doesn't know anything. What do you know? You what do you know? If you study for the next 100 years, you, sit, you may not be able to know as you ought to know. So, let all of us just be humble and say, we are all learning. When you hear a mistake, or somebody talks like you, in fact, once you are calling a mistake, we'll never be a mistake. But you take his mistake, just say, mm, it is well, sir. But we are all learning. But at least, no, so, the one way I know God like would be say, Jehovah's Witness, go to win arguments with you, Jehovah's Witness. And that one, you don't disgrace me, disgrace my father, disgrace my grandfather. 
and actually they may actually 70% well, of modern Christians cannot argue with Jehovah's Witness. Because the way they study there, they, they study you. You want to do Shawaman night. That's what you want to do. They, 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 they always be books, study, learning, study. You, you want to. Huh? That's why when they say, come, you are afraid. You say, don't worry. Talk now. Defend the gospel. <laughs> I had a conversation with the Jehovah's Witness that it was about the Holy Ghost. Sometimes I just, I just take delight in exposing ignorance. And I, I feel it is, it is not fair for me to be defeated in those kind of arguments. I'm the Christian. I say I have the Holy Ghost. And somebody who does not even believe that the Holy Ghost is a person, he believes the Holy Ghost is a thing, it's not going to win me. Uh -uh, we die here. We, we, what? Now you go tire. Now you go tire. I will buy gallon, cook wood. I will eat. But to say, I will say it is well. It's not well. I will teach you. It's not well. Next time when you see me, you are avoiding me. You say that, bro. No, go in the house. Go to the next neighbor. Hey, that's how you should be. They come to you because they, they perceive your ignorance. If you, if, you, if you sit down with them for three hours and they say that this person knows what, they won't come again. They will say, bro, bye bye. Hey, that's victory. But you are a Jehovah's Witness. They argue, they win you. These people don't believe in the blood of Jesus. They don't believe in hell. They don't believe in the Holy Ghost. You, you are speaking in tongues. But you cannot, you cannot start, start argue or defend the faith. Amen. So, interpreting is it's not for it's not for pastors. Interpreting scripture is not for pastors. Why do we need to interpret the scripture? Number one, because you did not write the Bible. Me and you did not write the Bible. Your pastor did not write the Bible. The Pope didn't write the Bible. Your apostle didn't write the Bible. Your favorite Bible commentary did not write the Bible. Your Greek and Hebrew study guys did not write the Bible. All those women do their bits. But goodness me, you still need to study and properly interpret accurately. It's a very... In that sense, the, the fact that you did not write it makes it already very complex. Now, the, your advantage is that the spirit that inspired it is in you. Amen. Amen. But you must use that advantage. You didn't write it. It's a book of God, as it were. But the spirit that inspired its utterances and inspired its documentation and kept it relevant through the ages is in you. But you've got to use that advantage by study. It's, it's amazing how Jesus in the flesh studied scriptures. Amazing how he didn't just assume, oh, well, I'm God in the flesh, and I don't need to read anything or study anything. Oh, he studied. In Luke chapter 2, he was, he, he was referred to as someone who grew in grace, who grew in favor with men and with God. He was a studious boy. I mean, when he was 12, he was already arguing with doctors of law. And those, that's how they studied in Jewish settings. They talk. It was, it was studied by debating. Say your point, I say my point. We take notes and say, oh, okay, okay, okay. This is the likely reasonable conclusion. Jesus didn't come and say, I'm, I'm God. I don't need to learn anything. You are not Jesus. You are not studying. What, what, what is wrong with you? Amen. Amen. We didn't write the scriptures. We didn't write the scriptures. Now, I'm saying this is important because of some of the things that we have heard in recent times, particularly from our younger Christians. You see things like memes, 
Somebody write six. And then the person standing on the other side say, to you, it is six. To me, it is nine. That is silly, to say the least. So, so the Bible can mean one thing to me. It can mean another thing to you. It's Rema. It's virus, actually. <laughs> you didn't write the scripture. You have no right to now say to you and then to me. What do you mean to you? Are, you the, are we the one that wrote the scripture? I didn't write it. If I quote it, don't say to you. It is, it's not to me. Because I didn't write it. Then you, too, you are the one that wrote it. Don't say to me. It is not. Who are you? Who, who are you that you are saying to me? It is nine. So uh, let's see it in a different. No, 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 no. The simple answer to the question is who wrote it? If the person that wrote it said, I wrote six. Then what is there is six. Don't now say no, but when I turn like this, I see nine. Your alignment is wrong. Come to the right alignment and see what the person that wrote it wrote. If you did not write the scripture, you have no right to give it a private interpretation. You didn't write it, so don't don't don't, don't exaggerate yourself. I have Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost gave me a rema. Hey. Holy Ghost, no, if he give you a rema, will contradict the author. Holy Ghost, not the author. So, if your, 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 your rema is something that is clearly not what the Holy Ghost inspired the holy men to write, or clearly not what the Holy Ghost inspired the documentation to be for, come on, your alignment is wrong. You did not write the Bible, so you have to interpret it. See, you know, if you... I was reading a drug prescription from a doctor. It was so... You know the way doctors write drug prescription? Any doctor that has fine writing is a fake doctor. I want to give you a clue now. It's a fake doctor. Real doctors, oh! It's almost like they're writing in tongues. Somebody was asking on Twitter, please, can anybody, they gave me this in the Bible, I cannot read it. You cannot read it because you didn't write it. If the doctor picks it up, he will say, ah, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. Do you understand me now? Maybe his wife who also knows him will be to say, this is what he's saying, this is what he's saying. Maybe somebody has received a previous prescription from him to can also say, this is what he's saying, this is what he's saying. Because you did not write the scripture, you will have to work hard to properly interpret it. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Another reason why you must study hard and it's diligence. Study towards interpretation is a lot of work, please. Nobody should make it look like a child's play. And in our generation, where Sunday school teacher is lesser than a, a prophet. Yeah, that's why we have nonsense in church. You're not a Sunday school teacher with address. A prophet. So, what, what is a prophet? He's, he has higher ranking. Have you? That's on the school teacher. <laughs> if, if Jesus was in our days, he would be more renowned for teaching. Rabbi was his most dominant description. Rabbi. Teacher. In our generation, in fact, the other day I was asking that. It was what teachers there, and I was asking. He said, Nobody identifies a teacher again. Is that apostle or prophet? Nobody advises us, teacher, I'm a teacher. That's what I do. That's my office. Some people have said there are only four offices and that the work of a pastor is to teach. But if they call Jesus rabbi, where are the rabbis today? It's only your apostle and prophet and evangelist. In our generation, evangelists have become women who sing during crusade. That's the meaning of evangelist. Lady evangelist. 
I've twisted everything. And it's the same thing. We don't study scriptures. Just twist everything. Lady evangelist. And that was your woman. I've not seen any Hebrew lady evangelist. No, really? I don't know why he's only it's a, it's a calling and gifting for your Yoruba woman. Amen. Amen. So <laughs> interpreting scripture is a lot of work. You cannot we must be scholastic. The, 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 I told you when we did, what was it church history? Yeah. The Christianity is not for dollars or it's not for lazy intellectuals. There's no dollars per se. People are lazy. The young man has studied formation, studied coaching, studied football. It's not opening Bible saying, according to me, according, based on how I see it. What's for your opinion? Based on how you see it. I say, what is it? You say, what is it? How I see it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Second reason here is that the scripture, as it were, were not written to you directly. This is why you must study it. This is why you must get interpretation correctly. If it was written to you directly, you will assume that it must have been written in a very simple way that you can grasp. When I say written to you directly, it was not written to your generation. The language employed is not the language that you speak now. And when I say language, I'm not talking about spiritual language. Three major languages in the scriptures, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. You don't speak any of them. Any Greek-speaking brother, yeah? Hebrew-speaking sister? Okay, we will have Hebrew women during delivery time. But no, no woman speaks Hebrew here. Yeah? Aramaic, do you know what that, that means? Ogbari? Ogbari? Bele? Boide? Now, that's the dominant language that was used for most of the scriptures. That we have now. None of us speak these things. Now, give me any Yoruba proverb, for example. If you are talking, please speak loud. Stand up. <laughs> Say it slowly. We see the house before we name the child. Is that what it means? Now, that's what it means directly, right? But what's the real meaning? Now, if I don't understand, and which obviously you see that I don't understand Yoruba etymology, I will mess up the interpretation. So, there's Greek etymology, there's Hebrew etymology. You can just say, in the Bible, in the Bible, it's not just in the Bible. Do you know how many languages were put together just to bring this? Are we getting it now? So you must study. One of the greatest works of the present generation is transcribing or translating Bible to indigenous languages. It's difficult. Huh? Because you're talking about language etymology. If you read the Yoruba Bible and you read some things and you compare it, you like, is that what this really means? It's a lot of, you kind of research. That's why you have, to have, you have to employ professors of Yoruba language to say, how do you describe, how do you say verily, verily? Oh, yeah, give me an idea. Let me show you your Yoruba person. A Yoruba scholar, a Yoruba language scholar will just tell us that. 
something like this. <laughs> because it, it's not, once you are talking about a language that is different, it's not easy to just interpret. Are we together? So, the Bible was not written to you. There was a unique audience. Luke wrote or documented the book of Acts to Theophilus. Who was Theophilus? What was his language? What was his cultural background? Why did Luke write to Theophilus? What was he trying to achieve? Matthew, Mark, Luke, referred to as synoptic gospels. They document similar stories, but there are a few differences here and there. Why did Matthew write the book of Matthew? Why did Mark write his own? Why did Luke write his own? Who were the audiences? Who were the recipients? What was their cultural background? What did they know about Jesus? That's what determined what the Holy Ghost inspired them to write and document. The audience. Are we still together here? So that's why you need to now study. Because you are not Theophilus. Even if that's your name. So when he says, oh, excellent Theophilus, I'm writing to you, blah, 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 to explain what has happened about Jesus from his resurrection, you are not Theophilus. So you, there must have been previous conversations that Luke had with Theophilus. So you must study what was the previous conversation for him to write Acts. Why did he first write to Luke? Because Luke was to Theophilus. If Luke's account to Theophilus in the book of Luke was not enough, and he wrote a second treatise, why? Was there a gap somewhere? Was there a debate that Theophilus entered in, into or what? Why? You need to answer this question so that you can interpret correctly. If the Bible was not written to you, it gives you the motivation to study more. When I say the Bible was not written to you directly, I'm saying that technically. It is profitable for doctrine. We have read that. But in his original writings, the audience, because God is not a cruel God, but is also very particular about ensuring that what he says to a generation is transmitted down to other generations. But it's not cruel. That's why, what I mean is not cruel. It's not going to speak to you directly in a language you don't understand. If you are going to communicate what God said to you, to your children, your children may misunderstand it because they did not hear it directly. But when God is speaking to you, he would speak to you in plain terms. So the original audience understood many of the things that we call Rema. They may not have to study as much as we did because they were the original recipients. But we are not. Do you understand me here? Yes, One day I did an experiment. And I called about 12 people. And I, I told them to line up. And I, okay, let, yeah, I've done the experiment, but I also watched the one. 12 people lined up. About maybe, the one I watched was about maybe eight. And then everybody backed the first person. So the first person received an expressive instruction. It was a dance. Even not a dance, just an expression. Something like this. This I'm just, I can't remember what they did, but I'm just trying to paint the picture. He's supposed to pass that information to the next person. By the time they got to the, they were passing it one, two. By the time they got to the eighth person, they asked the eighth person, what did you receive? The first person received this. The eighth person received this. In passing it down, <laughs> a lot of things have been edited. Private interpretation has come in. So, because it was not written to you directly, you have to really dig deep, search. Hallelujah. Amen. The third reason here, the Bible was 
written or uttered by various authors. Yes, the ultimate author is the Holy Ghost, but various men were employed to speak on behalf of God or to document certain things that would be profitable for doctrine. Different timeline. Moses wrote the first five. John wrote the last. Different timelines, different cultural settings, different language employed, different, as it were, dispensations of God's dealings with man. Are you following me here? You read the book of Daniel, you see creatures. It's the same thing with Ezekiel. One, one, one being with four heads. One has lion head. The other one has the head of eagle. You can't just now, you can't read Daniel and Ezekiel the way you read Colossians. <laughs> oh no, you will mess it up. Are you following me here? You can't read Revelations the way you read Leviticus. Some of you have never read Revelations. Some of you have never read Leviticus. Eh? I love you, Proverbs, Psalm, Matthew, John. I don't need to myself. I don't need myself. And you need to, you need to, you need to be, you need to be holistic in your reading. Hallelujah. But we have the issue. If one, only one person wrote all the scriptures, it means that it, only one person may use the same writing style. Do you understand what I'm saying? If it was only Moses that wrote Genesis to Revelation, the same writing style would have been employed. But we have different authors, different generations, different backgrounds, different as you know, purposes of their writings. You can't read Psalms of Solomon the way you read the book of Second Peter. It's not a... You know, if you see breast, the sons of Solomon, and you see breast of righteousness and efficiency, there are two different things. Amen. Yeah. Okay, let me. Be, I don't have time, so let me just. Once again, we're not. We're not really learning. <laughs> this is just. I want you to afterwards. I want you to. This conversation is to slow down. Number one, slow down your reading. Some of you read. You rush in reading. You just go to the devotion. I've read it, I've read it. I'm going to school. <laughs> you can't learn the Bible like that. That's the parable. I've shown you before. One comma can make a difference in the Bible. One comma, Bible interpretation, one comma. So some of you have to read the Bible like this. Yeah. To, to be sure that you're not missing out on anything. If you read the Bible like, I know it, I know it. Hey. Glory to God. Let me slow down a little bit because this is getting a bit sober. So let's be careful. Basic guide and tools to Bible interpretation. Firstly, be honest. And um, I'm saying firstly, but I'm going to skip a few other things. But this first thing in my notes be honest. When you are reading the Bible and you want to interpret, one of the greatest challenge you may have is an already prepared bias. And it steals dishonesty. If you are not honest, you can't interpret the Bible. You can't. You will misinterpret the Bible, you will misapply the Bible, you will misunderstand the Bible. Honesty, be honest. We are not saying it's everything you read that you will like. But be honest to say, it is there. 
I don't like him. I don't understand him, but he did If you have a doctrinal bias and you interpret, I was speaking with somebody and he asked me, can salvation be lost? I answered him. I was giving him a yes or no answer. But when somebody asks me that kind of question, I know that they already have a bias. They are looking for a validation for their bias. So I answered said, um, okay, thank you, sir. I said, you're welcome, man of God. I don't have any but. So he asked another question. I answered again, straightforward. By the time he, he asked like five questions, I said, man of God. I'm not in a debate with you. You ask me a question, you are not happy with my responses, but now you come meet me. I did my own jelly, you inbox me. And you come meet me. So if you don't value my opinion, why are you disturbing me? At the point, he was even laughing. I'm using laughter emoji. <laughs> and I checked, the guy is a Gen Z, he was born in 2005. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I pitied him. And for a man, I'm a Christocentric chairman. <laughs> I pitied him. See, you are just arrogant. Like, ridiculous, arrogant. <laughs> so, uh, be honest. So every time he asked, when I saw that, every time I answered, he was defensive. So I was answering with scriptures. I'll just give, I'll, I'll, I'll give reply with scripture verse. Let me make it a little bit more interesting. He was, of course, he was affirming eternal salvation, which I affirm, but not in the sense that it cannot be lost, no matter what you do. I don't affirm that. So he said, why, why is it now called everlasting? How can God say, is God a joker? I didn't agree. I just went to pick Exodus 40. Concerning the priesthood of Aaron, it was called an everlasting priesthood. I said, what, what do you think everlasting is? In English, or even in its context. It's not, it may not be what you think. So I said, was Aaron a priesthood not, what, not, what, not replaced? Didn't God call it Everlasting. So if you have every, every if you have a bias, every time you see a scripture, you would just be just be just be honest enough to, to own up and say, okay, maybe I don't understand this, but I'm not sure. But to be living in denial, living in denial, like uh, who was that guy we learned in um, Canon? Macron. We now be tearing scripture out. We leave only the letters of Paul. Say, I ain't no gospel. Peter, no, no. James, no, no. Matthew, no, no. All of them were Jewish, Jewish bigots. You tear it out. Your Bible will not be smaller than Gideon's Bible. You know Gideon's Bible? Smaller than that. So this is the only one I read. The other ones are not inspired by God. This, one, this is the real scripture. You get there. You may not understand it. You may not even like it. It's, it's there. And I'm still checking. I'm still studying to understand it. Be honest. Amen. Amen. Don't read bias into scriptures. Don't read denominational bias. In our church, they taught us that. Now your church writes Bible. We should be in our church. <laughs> when I hear people talking, how would you be saying? How would you be talking about the Bible that you be saying in your church? Your church was established in which year? That you are not telling me that I should believe it. I should believe your bias, your church bias. If you cannot establish from scriptures that this is the right thing, and you are trying to say church. It's not, it's, not, it's not a honest playing ground. So be honest, please. People who say God cannot kill, 
when we bring scriptures, what happens is that they begin to twist. I was, okay. I was speaking with a woman, or I, I said something about miracles today, or was it yesterday now? And I was explaining how Naaman was healed by Elisha. And I saw a comment that I felt was a twisting because when you have a bias and you now and you are comforted with scriptural evidence, you will now want to play mago mago. That's what happened to many of us. You twist to suit your bias. This woman believes that the workings of miracles and the gifts of healings no longer exist. If that's what you believe, fine, but that's not what the Bible teaches. And there are proofs. When you are confronted with a proof that embarrasses your knowledge, just bah, bah. The Bible is the final. I may not like it. Oh, my father died. And you say there's the gift of healing. But the Bible is the final. Oh, I lost my mother. But you say miracles as for today. But the Bible is the final. That's the truth. Your experiences are too little. To just the Bible. Abba. Are you following me? So, be honest. Be very honest. Secondly, the Bible only means what the author meant. Basic guide. Know what the author meant. The Bible cannot mean today what it did not mean yesterday. So for interpretation, it is singular. The Bible does not have dual interpretation. Glory to God. Let's use, an, or let's use an example here to explain this um, concept. Okay. Philippians 4.13. I'll try to use basic examples. Okay, now let's do John 3.16. I think that's the... At least you know that one. What does John 3.16 mean? What does it mean? It's two more. God loved us. And he gave us a son. Simple interpretation. Is that not so? What if you are wrong? And you can be wrong. And I'm still studying because I've discovered <laughs> that scripture writers, some of them were so inspired and yet poetic. They could wordplay a lot. It's like you listen to a rap track. If I say, uh, some of you don't listen to rap, rap but in one of my songs, Lo and behold, you can say I'm full of power. Lo and behold, you can say I'm full of power. Okay, before then, it was but I want played L O W and L O. They sound the same. What exactly are you talking about? Low and behold, which is C or low. Which of them am I talking about? Rap for intelligent people. Some of you are really <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but I'm just saying poetry. Uh, there are a lot of word plays. So you, you have to study what did it really mean? It sounds like a simple statement, but by the time you investigate, oh, okay, that, it was talking about something totally different. So in John 3.16, there was a word there that can, mean, that can give a dual meaning here. The word is so. 
For God so loved the world. Is that not so? Simple interpretation looks like God loved the world. That is a great love. He so loved the world. But I'm not the one who wrote the Bible, so I'm going to confirm. What did John mean when he says God so loved the world? So let's have this in NLT. God loved the world so much. Is that not so? This is your classical interpretation. But the word so can mean this is the way God loved the world. John 3.16, let's see a few other versions. I'll just read from here so that just in case the prayer you does not I'm already running out of time here so I'm going to rush. Uh-uh. Is this the NLT? The NLT I have here actually says, well, this is how God loved the world. But there are two NLTs. Okay? So I'm not sure whether it's classic NLT and um, what NLT, but the NLT that I have says, now, Pierre, you have any other version that says this is the way instead of or suggest this is the way just to explain the concept please don't lose me and i know that this is draggy but just let's stay with these scriptures about all the examples i will try, I'll try and use these scriptures so that we can just use a simple one okay try the cv what other version do you have you have the cv you have the i don't know if the niv suggests this is the way what Let's be quick, please. I'm not sure what's happening. But. Message. What does the message say? Read it out loud. This is how much God loved the world, still suggesting so as extent of love, not way of love. The one I'm reading here says, this is how God loved the world. That is, how did God love the world? By writing a love letter? How did God love the world? giving the son. So how should you love the world? By giving them the son too. The interpretation changes everything. See, the reason why I'm following him to club is because I love him. And I'm trying to convert him. I follow him to club. No, preach the gospel. That's how, that's how God loved. You two cannot love differently. So now that word so, okay, the message says this is how much, no, sorry. That word so can either mean the ex, the the degree of the love or the method of the love. Are you getting it now? So you must study. And interestingly, it could mean both. Because, like I said, many of the writers were inspired and they were, they were poetic geniuses. So John could have been saying, God loved us with great love. He gave us his son. He could also be saying, the way God loves the world is that he gave God does not love the world by sending love letters to us. By even telling us, I love you. The only way he loves the world was by sending his son. But just one phrase, so, two-letter word, can make a difference. Are we still together here? So you have to confirm, what did John mean? Don't say, according to me, you are not the one that wrote John, even if your name is John. You need to ask, what was in the author's mind? 
and I'm likely going to lean on the unpopular interpretation. This is the way. Because that settles how we are also supposed to love the world. God loved us with great love, and there are other scriptures that are found. Yes, everlasting love, great love, all of that. Okay? But this is the way God loved the world. How? He gave his son. That is the way he loves, by giving his son. Are we still together here? So, now this verse is very, I, I brought it up because I want you to read any verse in the Bible with humility and superiority. This is John 3, 16, and you already seen that it may mean something different than you thought it meant. I'm what more Leviticus 14, 23. I don't know what's there, I'm just saying. <laughs> if John 3, 16 can, can mean something else, that all have known all this while, then you need to you, you need to stop up your study game and stop assuming. Don't read the Bible like I know it. I know that you don't know. You don't know. You don't know study. Check double check. Glory to God. Okay. The Bible only means what the author meant, but it can be applied. In the principle of what I call extended application, I have to use another scripture to explain this. First Corinthians 9 9. The Bible means what the author meant. But there's a principle of extended application. And verse 8 to, okay, let's do verse 8 to 10. Say I these things as a man, or set not the law the same also. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. I want to confirm Deuteronomy here where this is written. You know it? 25.4. Okay, let's have 25.4 of Deuteronomy here. Just so that we can reference the original saying. Thou shalt not muzzle. Start from verse 3. Let's see the previous conversation. Forty stripes he may give him. Alright. Next verse. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when, the tre- when it treadeth out the corn. Next verse. If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child. Okay. So it seems like an isolated case of animal care. Even though in between the preceding and the preceding verses, we speak about virgin and men. Paul says something interesting here that I'd like you to consider. He says in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 9, does he, is it the, verse 9, is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? Which is an affirmative question. So Paul is saying the, the conversation in Deuteronomy seems to, Suggest God cares about oxen. Are we still together? Yeah. Don't lose me. When I'm saying this thing, I'll soon show you. Follow. The original conversation suggests oxen is the concern. Paul now says, not really. Not really. The real concern is man. So that when we work, when we labor, 
we can get a requisite payment. But in the Deuteronomy 6 conversation, it seemed like Moses was concerned about oxen. Are we still together? But by principle of extended application, Paul could say, well, it wasn't about animal care, but come on. This can be applied to mankind and can be applied to people getting justified salaries for their labors. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. All things is not all things. Every time you see all things in the Bible. Check what the author meant by all things. Listen to me. If you bring rice, and you bring gari, and you bring semu, I say, PJ, what do you eat? And I say, I can eat all these. Or I can say, I can eat all food. And I'm talking about the three options you brought. Honest is not part of it. But honest in a general sense is part of all. Is that not so? Yes, sir. So Paul says, I can do all things. Referring to, I know how to abound and how to abase. I can do both of them. All this actually means I can do both of them and I'll be fine. But principle of extended application now says, okay, I can cause this to a farm that I can marry well and as well do ministry. I can do all things. It's still reasonable. But in terms of interpretation, this means one thing. Paul was saying, I can abound and I can abuse. But it can be, it's legit. It's okay to extend the application, like we saw from First Corinthians 9 and Deuteronomy. That okay, as long as the application is in the framework of legitimacy, it is okay. In the framework. Of, so if I slap you, I say, I can do all things. Give me an hour, I can do all things. <laughs> You will carry me to jail and say, I can do all things. We'll go, I'll do each other now. I <laughs> say, well, I want to do all things. So you must know what is all things. And then limit it to a framework that is legitimized. If not, the, the, the application will be overly extended beyond the purpose and scope of God's permission. Are we still together now? So, because this is, a, this is a generation that often just picks scriptures and applies it anyhow. Just carry somebody's professor about to go carry scripture from Ezekiel. I say, in nine months, just share the Lord from Ezekiel. Ezekiel? To Tinubu? Yeah. How can they read the Bible like this? And those is the Bible. The word of God said, which word of God now? What of God not properly interpreted? You'll be sounding, you'll be saying rubbish. Do, do you get me now? I'm not against extended application and in fact, I was, I was asking my wife one day to check out all the places where the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. In fact, I was going to discuss that next. I don't have time anymore. Maybe in passing. Many of the so-called laws of context does not apply. <laughs> to shock you, to, it doesn't even apply at all. <laughs> I, I was reading somebody's lamentation, and I was talking about the only time Paul referenced tongues and sourced it from the Old Testament. He said it was out of context. I said, don't say Paul said out of context. Because when are they respect anointing? But if you look at it closely, you say that. Was he really in context? Was this what stammering lips and other tongues? Was he, was he referring to 
what we now call tongues. But Paul understood the principle of extending application. Carried it and used to justify speaking in tongues. But it must be within the scope that is legitimized. If not, you just you just carry any scripture and begin to apply it anyhow. And you just have a very disorderly setup. Are we still together now? Okay. Third thing here. What's the first thing? Be honest. Is that not so? Second thing, the the author determines the interpretation, but there is extended application. Third thing, language study. Language. People don't understand why we talk about language, language. You think that anybody's talking about Greek and Hebrew, you're just flaunting, you know, it's language progress. But we established the Bible was not written in English. It's better to study the original writings in the original language. So let me give an example here. Let me give an example. I think I was showing the School of Ministry this. Mark 16. I was showing, showing um, students of the School of Ministry this concept. Mark 16 and um, check verse 17. Go to verse 18. Now read it together. One, two, go. In the Greek, this is how it is written originally. Serpent, they shall take up. And if deadly anything they drink, it shall not them hurt on the sick hands they shall lay and recover they shall are you as confused as i yeah, yeah. that's why you must you see so when you read the bible like this in english you don't, you don't some of the the message is totally lost for instance i'm focusing only on the last statement lay hands on the sick and recover now look at how it is in the greek now i was wanting to call you blake and call blake was teaching and said when the Bible says it's a lens on the sick and they shall recover, the word recover there is not what you think it is. I was like, what could he mean? What, what will he now be? So he now said in the Greek, now, there are two words. The word for recover in the Greek is kalos. Basically, it means excellent, right, to be well or recovering health. Uh, one minute, please. But now, what you have here is, and you see, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Normal interpretation means what? No. As in, if you want to interpret that statement, what does it mean? They will be here. That be? Oh, oh, simple now. Ah. One bingo can interpret this thing. Wait. <laughs> now, in the Greek, the word they shall is echo. And it suggests to have in the hand, in the sense of wearing, to take possession of the mind, to hold fast, keep, to have or comprise or involve, to hold as. To possess, 
external things such as pertain or property or riches or furniture used of those joined to anyone by the bonds of natural blood or marriage or friendship or duty or law of attendance or companionship to hold oneself or find oneself so and so to be in such or such condition that is to insist that this is your condition to hold oneself to a thing to lay hold of a thing to adhere and cling to to be closely joined to a personal thing now so it means that the word and they shall recover does not mean when you pray for the sick they will recover it means that the people that are sick must now aggressively see themselves as i have recovered they must they must fasten their life to the truth of i have recovered that's what it means yeah. but you won't know if you read this in english because now so in the greek i showed you what is the way it's written in the greek the sick hands they shall lay and recover they shall so when we say check greek it's not we're not, we're not it's not like we just like to disturb you many of these conversations you will lose them in english so you study interpret use language study helps every serious christian should have greek and hebrew bible if you're a remite eh? you are subscribing to mr macaroni or mr spaghetti but you don't you don't you don't know where to check greek word you can't share level once it gets well demonic attack no pass this one Amen. Yeah. Go and find out. Where can I get the It's free download. I don't know available. Go to Play Store and check. Use your data for profitable things. Glory to Jesus. Yeah. So Greek words, Hebrew words. It's not because we are just flaunting knowledge of Greek. <laughs> Many of these things you read in English, if you read it in reality, you will shout, ah, I've been deceiving myself. Yeah. Yeah, you have, because you have not studied. But it does not mean that if I read this one now, by a principle of extended application, I can also, I can quote it and say, you will recover because I've laid hands on you. And by recovery, I will mean that you get better. It's still within the framework of legitimacy. But the original interpretation is that those that are sick, when they lay hands on them, they will now hold fast, aggressively possess, and insist that they are healed. So yeah, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Ah. Mm. Okay, let's do one last one. Context, which means surrounding environment. <laughs> and this is maybe the best way to just. But even if you don't have Greek or Hebrew, if you do context, so you you get most of the. You not most. Let me not say most. You get. Some of your interpretations come up. Ah, some of you are looking bored and tired. Ah, 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 because it's free class, have you? You did not pay anything. Okay, my wife is encouraging me. Say, ah. you know, when a, when a man preaches, finish, you can never know what he felt about the preaching until he speaks with his wife. It's his wife he complains to. I say I was, I was there, what I was saying. It's only his wife he tells. So when, when my wife raises her volume like that, it's because she knows that after I feel the picture, I'll come to her. So she's trying to put me in shape. Okay. John 12, 32. 
context. John chapter 2. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Give me a song for this scripture. Two miles unto me. Lift Jesus. Lift Jesus. Some of you are too young. You don't know ancient immortal songs. I will draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. 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 I will soon go. I will soon go. And so the, 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 the regular African, not necessarily African, but popular interpretation is you lift Jesus high in praise. Lift him up. Lift him up. His name be lifted higher. Lift him up. But nobody you write them. Nobody you talk them. The person will talk them. Now you know what you mean. Amen. So we don't lift. This scripture is not praise. It's not lifting Jesus up. You say lift him up now with your hand. As you're lifting him up. No. This is a resurrection issue. Just check context. Next verse. And he said, signifying what death should be. So when he was, when they killed him, they put a cross, and the cross is elevated from the earth. That's the lifting up. Next verse. The people answered him, We have heard out of the Lord that Christ abided forever. And now says the Son of Man must be lifted up. So even the people knew what he lifted up meant. But Christians don't know. They knew that he was talking about death. Because he was saying, But they, they said the Christ will abide forever. So why would you say you will die? They knew that lifted up means I will die. And I will die by the cross. Lift up Jesus. He is King of Kings. That's why we need doctrine in melody. We need songs that the person writing knows the Bible. Hmm? He understands the Bible. If not, there are many discos you'll be discussing, you'll be discussing. And you don't know what you don't know what the meaning of what you are saying. Just the Bible says that when you lift him up, say church growth strategy. If you lift up Jesus, people will come. He will draw all men. It's him that draws it. When you lift him up, he draws. He has been lifted up already. <laughs> He died. That's the lifting up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like the way that one said it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Say, Rema Pontonai. <laughs> you know, a few other popular ones. Isaiah 45, 11. Some of this was, I was complaining on Sunday that many of our prayer meetings, and I'm not talking about Rema prayer meetings, I'm not talking prayer meetings. I am worried. Because if you want to pray well, please read the Bible. Don't be saying, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Read the next statement. When I get liberal, when I read it like that. So interpretation, what does it mean here? God said we should command him. Now, so you, you, you can't, if, when you read some verses of scriptures, you know, uh, I think I have a problem here. I'm, I, does this, do you really believe that God will say, command me, you to think of Listen up. Say, begin to command God now. 7 a.m. commanding hour. The Bible says, command ye me. Commando. 
you go. Angel, don't go relax your remote code for next. Who is the command? Angel, don't go lack anybody remote code. Ultimately. So context. When we start, the, now read verse 10, verse 11, verse 12 in another version. Ten to twelve in another version, please. How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to his father, Why was I born? Or if it is said to his mother, Why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and your creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders above the work of my hands? That's what's come. No, but you see, the <laughs> oh, okay, okay, he taught you. <laughs> That's why you were study. The only issue was that the right, um, what's the word now? Signs, comma, um, apostrophe, um, question mark, were not employed in the KJV. So that's not like commanding who you. You all command Jehovah. He was only saying, he was, what he was saying was that, is it, is it proper for you to be telling me what to do? You now pick it as fire prayer points. Say, so I command Jehovah, Jehovah, to her. Oh, she said, hey, <laughs> now interpretation concern. You know interpret that way. Do you, do you understand me now? So put in context. I, I think I've given the example of um, Malachi or Joel 3:10 rather. Let's do Joel 3:10 and Romans 8:19, and I will close. Romans 8:19 is a bit more popular, so let's start from there and then we'll do Malachi 3:10. Ernest's expectation of the creature, creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Don't pick this verse without understanding context, surrounding verses. Okay? So don't just say manifestation of the son of God. The title of the program is manifestation of the sons of God. We are going to manifest. Disco manifestation. Drama manifestation. Um, talent hunt. We used to do a program one time in Rama Chapel called La Mudra. Laughter, music, and drama. I will cry. We used to do it for one month. I will cry in church. Say, oh God, send the Bible. <laughs> if you're serious, they go pay you. The one I attended here, I was not the pastor then. Oh, okay, I said someone was giving a testimony about this. He joined the church during La Mudra. Many of the ones I've attended, it was saying vulgar comedy, saying rubbish comedy. And we'll sit down there and say, Oh God, send revival. And they will say, Sons of God are manifesting. So, manifestation already in the Greek already tells you what it's talking about. Revelation is manifestation. But context, check 17 to 21. And if children then is, go to verse 18, surface of this present world, go to verse 19. For the earnest expectation, go to verse 18, sorry. Okay, 19, 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself, so who is the creature? The earth, everything in the physical landscape, the earth. Are we clear? It was made subject in vanity. When Adam sinned, it was explaining what happened after Adam sinned. Adam sinned and everything under Adam became subject. 
to the influences of evil. That's why we have earthquakes, landslides, all of that. But the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of children of God. So what it says by NX, so yeah, we know the whole creation groaneth. All the earthquakes are groanings. Travelers in pain to get unto now. So what it says in verse 19 about the manifestation of the sons of God, it's not necessarily children of God manifesting, like doing things. It's the, it's the restoring of the original identity of man that repairs the earth. Do you understand that now? So to understand 19, you, you just read, read further, read down, understand what creation, what's creature, what's creature talking about? Then you understand how 19 links the, the entire thing together. Glory to God. That's the idea of context with the environment of the... Don't isolate scriptures. You know the Bible was not written in verse. Okay, or verses. Sorry I'm taking your time. Let's do one last scripture and close. That's um, Joel 3.10. Popular statements. And I've, I've showed you in church before, but let's emphasize it again. Beat your plowshells into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Sorry, I need to see... Okay, let's do this and I'll see. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Quoted by several healing evangelists, had nothing to do with healing. Context tells us the meaning of the phrase. What's the context? Read verse 8. And I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of children of Judah. And they shall sell them to the Sabians, to a people far off, for the Lord has spoken it. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Everybody say Gentiles. Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares. Let the weak say, I am strong. Verse 11. Assemble yourself and come, all ye hidden. It's not even to, to the Jews. Gather yourself together round about. Did that cause thy did that cause did that cause thy mighty ones to come down O lord verse 12 let the eden be wakened and come up to the valley of jehoshaphat for there will i sit to judge all the hidden roundabouts read it in the message that's a straightforward contextual summary message from verse maybe eight so it's had nothing to do with healing it was god mocking a gentile nation Sowing them for war, ridiculing them, basically. I'll sell your children as slaves to your neighbors, and they will sell them to the far off Sabians. God's verdict. Announce this to the godless nations. Prepare for battle. Souls at attention, present arms. Advance. Turn your shovels into swords. Turn your hose into spears. Let the weak one throw out his chest and say, I'm tough, I'm a fighter. All your pagans, wherever you are, get a move on. Get your act together, prepare to be shattered by God. So, when you see the context, you now know, oh, okay. But once again, extended application. Even though I don't like using this verse, I don't like using this particular verse for extended applications on healings. There are many other scriptures on healings you can use. Okay, I was going to say one thing lastly about using a, a Bible like this. Now, this Bible has. Um, Eddings. So try and use Bibles like this because you need to learn when the conversation has shifted. Habakkuk chapter 1. Habba, 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 habba. Are you here or here? 
Habakkuk is before what? Nahum. Yeah, before Nahum. Or rather, after Nahum, sorry. It's after Nahum. Now, let's read together. One, two, go. Read loud, please. Go ahead. Thank you. That's enough. Now, this reading this carelessly, you will not know when the author switched. God spoke in verse 5. Habakkuk spoke from verse 1 to 4. Now, even if you don't do a, a solid study, if you have a Bible like this, it will give you an heading. This one says the prophet's question. Then, under or before verse 5, it says the Lord's reply. But if you read this, you know, just straightforward. You will not know when the person talking has changed. So try and use Bibles that I do. And I know that we all, most of us use Bible on the phones, but that's why hard copies are great. Particularly hard copies like this that are useful. So you can know. So it's a simple way to study. Use proper Bibles. Use other versions. I would recommend you use Bible commentaries also. The one I use is called Enduring Word Bible Commentary. You can try Matthew Henry also. There are many others, but that's the one I use. All right? Download a U, a U version Bible app. You have access to various other versions. Sometimes you're using Nokia 3310. If your phone is good enough, your phone can do video call. Have Bible app. So that nobody would, even if other people are deceived because they don't know the truth, you'll be clear. Amen? We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.